That was me, almost five years ago, standing in a venue called Magic City in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, with a group of 42 people, all screaming the word magic into the virtual void to kick off this ritual. That magic that we started there has since expanded out, finding new listeners, drawing them in, and creating a community around this ritual. If you're listening to me talk right now, you are part of that magic. And you're not the only one. Over the last few years, I've been fortunate to connect with many of the listeners and participants of this ritual. I've answered your questions on the Wizard Hotline. I've had you on as guests. We've collaborated on projects. And I've met more than a few of you in person. Today's episode is a direct result of this magic. Today, I'll be speaking with a wizard who first appeared in one of the virtual hangouts we did for this podcast Patreon. While we were chatting, he fetched a Kentele from off screen. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but we're going to go with it, which is a Finnish plucked string instrument to show to the group. Whipping out an obscure Finnish string instrument generally raises a lot of questions. So we all started asking about it. And this listener revealed that he was Swedish and lived in Gothenburg or as it's called in Swedish, Yetebori. My poetic partner, Lisa Ann, is Swedish by descent and speaks Swedish, so this information stuck out. It resonated. It planted a seed in my brain, and then it lay dormant. I think it was about a year later when Lisa Ann and I started discussing the idea of a trip to Sweden, and suddenly that seed sprouted. Oh, hey, I've got a podcast listener there. We could totally connect with them. I believe I pulled out my phone mid-conversation and sent him a message. Since then, that sprout has continued to bloom and blossom as messages became meetings and possibilities grew into plans and that word magic that 42 people screamed in Brooklyn five years ago reverberated through time to alter my current reality by summoning the great Swedish wizard Askvind to aid me on this adventure. Askvind known as Tony Hatters in his day-to-day existence, is a circus-trained ritual performance clown sorcerer. Like every wizard, his magic is different, special, and uniquely his own. And, like every wizard, his magic alters the reality of the world around him. So did I perform a ritual to summon Asfind, or did Asfind perform a ritual to summon me? In either case, that seed is still sprouting. 
Our magic words are still echoing, and I'm excited to continue following the golden thread this podcast as a ritual weaves through reality as it takes me to Sweden and beyond. And so, before we get into this delightful conversation with Asfind, I'd like to take a moment to thank every listener who's responded to the call of this podcast magic, and everyone who's gone the extra step of supporting this podcast on Patreon. Your magic and the community this creates is what makes this all worthwhile. And so, as a special thank you in line with our Swedish series, I've got a super fun This Playlist is a Ritual bonus episode called An Amerikanskdrokar Isfaria, or An American Wizard in Sweden, with over an hour of Swedish pop, prog, hip-hop, rock, and more spanning 60 years of Swedish culture. So check that out at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, and then let us turn our attention to one of the great wizards of the world, Askvind. Hello, Tony. Welcome in to Den Harpoden Aren Ritual. Hur mår du? Jag mår bra. Tack så mycket. Uh, jag vill säga uh, ritual space, men uh, jag vet inte hur man säger uh, på svenska. Mm. Jag skulle säga det rituella rummet. Rituella rummet. Okej, okay, bra. Ungefär. <laughs> um, all right, I will switch back to English because <laughs> I, I could go further, but most of the listeners don't speak Swedish, so we're, we're going to just have a, a little, little bit. Uh, yeah. This is so exciting. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, you are a listener of this podcast as a ritual. That's how we know each other. Yes. So once upon a time, I performed a magic ritual that created this podcast and sent magic out into time and space to find cool humans. And you are one of those cool humans. And in a little bit more than a month, we're going to hang out in person in your home of Sweden. So this is extremely exciting for me. Mm, Yeah, for me as well. I think it's amazing that I found your podcast by chance through a friend. And all of a sudden, you you can actually be here yeah. in Sweden. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> super nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's your friend that showed you the podcast? I'm always curious how how people find the magic. Mm, yeah, or the magic uh, finds them. I should say. Yeah. So it's a friend of mine who's called uh, Edwin on Instagram. He's called uh, Thasur. Okay. It's very hard to uh, spell. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but he he's an occultist uh, from northern Sweden, mm. um, and we found each other through Instagram, yeah. and uh, through an old uh, friend of ours who is a shaman. Oh, very cool! Um, yeah, so I just followed him, and he posted something about your episode, one episode of yours, and I thought it sounded great. So yeah, yeah, and then uh, when we were doing uh, the virtual hangouts uh, on the Patreon, you came to some of those, and it was very cool. And yeah. I will, I will, I will honestly say, having connected with you was one of the things that encouraged us to do the Sweden trip because I was like, I've got a podcast listener that we can connect with, and that you know, <laughs> it's always good to have your fingernail on that ledge when you're looking to go someplace new. Oh wow! Oh, I'm I'm so glad. Yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. What's our magic yes. word going to be? Our magic word is going to be imagination. Oh, perfect. One of my favorites. Yeah. All right. Well. On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Imagination. imagination. All right. Yeah. So why'd you pick imagination? It's, I think it's been the, like, the lead word 
for my life mm. in general. Like it, uh, uh, since I was a kid, uh, people have told me like, yeah, you have too much imagin- imagination. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just daydream away your life. I was like, no, I'm just being in reality. Yeah. As, as it is. <laughs> um, this is it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's been always with me um, because it's like, it, it is my superpower, mm-hmm. I guess, in that sense. So, yeah. And also, like, all magic is about imagination as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's so funny the ways, like, just the English language in particular, like, slurs imagination. Like, oh, that's not real. That's imaginary. Mm. And mm. it's like, I don't think, I think imaginary things can be real. <laughs> There's certainly mm. lots of imaginary things that control our world and uh, mm. affect yeah. our lives. Most of yeah. us suffer from imaginary problems. <laughs> yeah. And, and like almost, if, if you're in a city, almost everything you see around you is imagined. Yeah. Like the only thing that is not imagined is like the rain and the water and some plants that is not genetically modified to fit right. into the environment. So everything is a kind of imagination. Yeah, everything started in somebody's head and then looking at uh, yeah. an empty field and going, hey, we could we could put a McDonald's there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Terrible, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I think, yeah, like it's especially interesting when you start to think about the complex structures of like corporate charters and these things, which are the way of sort of solidifying that imaginal material into something that definitely operates on our world in a powerful way. Mm, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, tell us about where you grew up. Um, I grew up outside of Gothenburg uh, in a small um, commune, commune, I think it's called, uh, called Herreda. Okay. Um, and so I grew up on the countryside uh, and I went to school in a very small um town you could say almost or so a village when you say commune do you mean like an intentional community where they had yeah uh, no um so kind of like i don't know how you have it over there in the states but um so like a state mm-hmm. but within the states there are small areas ah okay like a county or little oh, yeah. village yeah. yeah okay yeah something like that so it's it's not it's not something that people get around like yeah let's make this people just ended up there and they became something okay cool yeah and then um, growing up there, what was your first kind of exposure, aside from your own vivid imagination, uh, to these ideas of magic in this world of the occult? Mm, I think the first exposure I got that that was from within, mm-hmm. I think, uh, was when I was nine years old. Uh, that is, I think I was nine years, something around there. Um, I was, I was going to go to bed and I looked out the window and I saw our little yard and we, I saw like my parents' cars and street posts that we had and, um, yeah, and the bushes and trees and stuff. And I looked out and I thought like, is, is this, is this all? Mm. Is this, is this it? Yeah. And what is it? And then I felt like uh, like a suction that goes into my chest. It felt like every everything just sucked into me, and into my chest, into small like space. Yeah. And I felt like, ah, oh, this is me. I, I'm not this outside of me. I'm not the body. I am this core mm. that is inside of me, and and everything fits within that. Wow. And, and it was so strange. Like it's it that is my first experience of anything kind of magic or 
Yeah, and, and after that, I started thinking, and I went to the library and I found bo- books about lucid dreaming, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is crazy." Yeah, yeah, and so it opened up at like nine years old. Yeah, wow, uh, what a, what an interesting revelation to have at that age. Yeah, <laughs> but I also have I also have this um, thing called um, hypnopompnic experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who doesn't know about it, what it is, it's uh, it's when you uh, wake up in the night and the the kind of dream world morphs with reality. Yeah. Um, so it, almost like a sleep paralysis, but you're not paralyzed. Right. So I, I could wake up and uh, there were like shadow figures standing in my room. And I was like, hey, who are you guys? And they're like, just standing there and being creepy. Yeah. Or, or waking up and, this, and the bed is filled with spiders and snakes. And I had to roll out of the bed, like shake them off and being very scared about it. And then go to bed again even though I didn't know that I was safe or not. Uh, and I had this since I was uh, eight, and I ha- still have it. <laughs> That's so interesting that you bring that up, because when you were talking about this early experience, it reminded me of, you know, I don't have a lot of, like, and here's the time I saw a ghost, but I remember one thing from childhood where I saw, like, I woke up and I saw this kind of, like, glowy, orby dot thing that didn't make any sense. Mm. And I, like, went to go. It was, like, kind of near my closet and I went to go explore. And it kind of, like, pulled me into the closet a little bit. And then it was one of those memories the next day of, like, was that a dream? Was <sighs> that real? Like, what exactly was happening there? But, yeah, that hypnopopic space where you're aware of the room around you, but you're also, like... Uh, we've got to get all the baseballs to the bakery or otherwise it can't open tomorrow. And then you wake up more and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't have to do that at all. That's not a real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's still like, it's it's frustrating when you're going to get up in the morning and you have this like, oh, I'm going to catch this UFO that's floating around in my ceiling. And when you yeah. catch it, you stand there, you hold it. Yeah. And you realize you're holding the lamp that's mm. just this lamp in the ceiling. Oh, interesting. Like you like you'll actually move around and be experiencing yeah. this. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been moving around like uh, furniture and stuff. Wow. Yeah, I remember meeting a girl once who'd gotten really into lucid dreaming and had to like also had sleepwalk issues and she would constantly be doing like, ah, I'm like in the CIA and I'm looking through files and then her roommate would be like, "Why were you rummaging through the kitchen drawers all last <laughs> night?" And it's like, "Oh, that's that's what I was doing in the dream. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I have I have a lot of stories about this, but yeah. Yeah. I've just had a lot more of the like when you know that you have to wake up at a certain time and then you mm. get in that really, really groggy, sleepy state and you're having a bunch of those kind of like rapid dreams and there's a bunch where I'm like, ah, oh, I've woken up and I'm doing this. Nope, nope, I'm still in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, frustrating. Yeah, it's like you got up eight times in your imagination before you actually like had the alarm really go off. Mm, yeah. Well, moving forward from this uh, psychedelic nine-year-old experience, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what what was the next milestone that you kind of encountered? How did this view of this core within you uh, change the way you were experiencing the world? Mm, I I don't know. Like I, w- when I realized this, uh, I g- I got the sense that uh, the world is not what people told me that it was, mm. and that there's more to it. Yeah, um, and I couldn't figure it out. And like when I think back to my childhood, uh, I can't really see if uh, what was dreams and what was reality because they meld together. Mm-hmm. So I remember very clearly that I saw a clown standing on on a track, on, on like on a tractor, 
juggling with my family. And they told me like, Nate, no, that never happened. Never. I was like, but I know, I know exactly where and how the weather was and everything. I know who was there with us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think I started getting curious about magic and start, started to find like, uh, books in the, in the library because back then internet wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, you couldn't just download grimoires.zip and have the uh, <laughs> library of Alexandria show up on your hard drive. No, no. Yeah. It was unlucky times. Uh, but I, I only found books about uh, um, lucid dreaming, mm. one single book in the whole library, because, yeah, I grew up in a small town. Mm -hmm. um, but I started having experiences uh, of something that was very like scary and I couldn't control it because this was during daytimes. Mm. Um, so when I was visit visiting my grandfather and grandmother, uh, I started feeling, uh, like almost ill. It was like something was like pounding into my head and I heard like drums. And I think nowadays uh, that it was my heartbeat that I felt mm -hmm. and, and I heard, heard very clearly, but I really heard drums and I was, had to lay down in my, in the sofa, uh, by my grandparents, uh, place. And my cousin came to me and I was feeling like all this foggy and I couldn't really have, I ha didn't have any power to move or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and he's, he asked me like, Hey, are you okay? And this, he was like eight years. I think this was somewhere after I was 10 or something. And I opened my eyes very like carefully. And I saw a troll standing next to him, the mm. same height as him with like deep eyes, uh, almost dark black and pretty skinny and having this creepy grin. And I, I didn't have energy enough to be scared even. I just closed my eyes and just make it go away. Just yeah. go away. And since then, I, I, I heard these trolls several times, many times later when I was visiting my, my grandparents. <laughs> wild. Yeah, it's very wild. The, uh, the first thing that you said about seeing this juggler that your family doesn't remember... Yeah. Uh, reminds me, I've been watching a ton of Swedish films uh, to practice my language and mm. to uh, get ready for the trip. And I watched Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander uh, over the winter. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But there was some moments where I was like, wait, like, what just happened there? Like, this is kind of strange. And I read an interview with Bergman after where he's saying, yeah, I wanted to capture that unreality of childhood, the way that as a mm. child, you have memories that later on you look at and you're like, oh, that doesn't follow the same cause and effect or like I don't know if mm. that was a dream or not and I think that kind of click where I was like oh this isn't just confusing artsy filmmaking like that really is the vibe that they're capturing and I think yeah like your experience of this juggler is mm. interesting because that's also informed uh, something you've pursued right? Mm. Yeah yeah it's true <laughs> yeah so how did you get into uh, circus arts? I when I was about 13, maybe 12, yeah. something. You're like, I got to do something to keep the trolls away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and also just uh, just a finishing of this with all these crazy experiences I had as a kid. For me, it doesn't matter if it was like physical reality or mm -hmm. some kind of reality. It happened. Yeah. And it made an imprint on me mm -hmm. and it shaped me to who I am today. So even if it was imagination or just a dream I that I don't remember because I mixed things up, it actually has a purpose in my life. Yeah. And took me places. Well, and yeah. no matter what, I think as I've gotten older, I've realized like 
when you're a kid, adults have this mysterious status and you're getting this image. And now that I'm an adult and I go to parties sometimes where there's kids and there's like, you know, somebody's 10-year-old running around, I'm like, oh, who I am to that kid is very different who I am to me and the other adults here. (laughs) And so even if you're going with this like very objectivist, like what's real, what's not, as a child, you still have such a distortion. And I think it's very important to, yeah, give credit to the imaginary jugglers that inspired you more than, mm. you know, if you saw just uh, a regular dude juggling, perhaps. Yeah. I, I haven't even thought that this juggling clown that I saw would would actually may, maybe have made me into what I am today concerning circus. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I tried, like, I went to circus courses for kids uh, when I was a kid. And I thought it was really nice. And uh, I realized, like, this is much more fun than going to school. <laughs> <laughs> so I went um, uh, yeah I went some years in school and realized this is not my thing at all mm-hmm. and uh, then then uh, um, I'm a grown up at school who helps uh, kids to um, redirect where, where they want to go in life guidance counselor yes a guidance what's counselor the, uh, what's the uh, Swedish word skolkurator uh, skolkurator yeah yeah um, so and she told me because she asked me what what you want to do. I was like, yeah, but I want to be physical because I love moving and I can't sit still. Yeah, uh, and I want to do some theater maybe because I love acting. And I think it's very nice. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, actually, there's a circus gymnasium, like a circus high school, I guess it's called. And I was like, what? So I applied and I got in. Wow. So I moved to Stockholm uh, when I was sixteen, and uh, I, I went to the circus school. Uh, I thought it was amazing. It's like open a world to me. Like, like this is actually something you can make a living from. Yeah. You can actually do this. So yeah, I went there, and uh, after that, I was tired of school again. So yeah. I took took some four years off and just uh, we're doing performing with like acrobatics and fire shows and stuff like that. Fire breathing and eating. Wow. What is um within the circus arts? What do you feel like is like your specialty? On paper, my speciality is Chinese pole, which is a pole that is like six meters tall. Yeah. And you climb it and you do uh, spins and flips. So you just jump up and catch yourself again before you hit the floor. Yeah. So you're using the pole to kind of like, it's not anchored to the ground, but you're moving around. In in the middle, uh, it stands on the ground and uh, there's uh, like three wires going from the top that Ah, goes down to the ground to secure it. Got it. Um, so that is my that is my main. Uh, but nowadays, I think I think that um, dance acrobatics and clowning is more interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, I did a performance like only two days ago. Uh, it, it was great. It's it, it's like the best piece I made so far, and I'm very proud of it. Oh, how exciting! Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about the the piece, or is it you kind of uh, yeah. see it? I don't I don't want to spoil it at the same time, but at the same time, I really want to tell about it. It's a <clears throat> it's a story about the larva. Mm-hmm. Who uh, who becomes uh, a butterfly, but it doesn't go as expected. So the wings are too small, and the larva gets really pissed off and uh, yeah. start doing uh, violent acrobatics. And and this is me only in like a tight golden sh- shiny uh, underwear mm. uh, and very small, super beautiful uh, glittery wings. And uh, yeah, I run around on stage screaming and doing acrobatics like crazy. Uh, and then in the end, I. I like collect myself and do this like Omadepadmuhum kind of feeling <laughs> to oh, it. Cool. Namaste. Ah, everything's yeah. fine now. <laughs> and just dance, dance off the stage. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. 
it's uh, there's there's gonna come videos on my Instagram later. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. look forward to that. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember if it was Matt Wilson who was the clown that we previously had, who had been a medical clown, or somebody else who told told me this. But I once heard clown described as setting out to do a simple task and failing in every way imaginable, like mm-hmm. you know, a clown routine of like ah, time to just put my papers in a briefcase and head out the door. And then you just manage to like screw that up continuously and just make it worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and <laughs> I know funny. you could do a lot more than that, but I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's funny because that example you did uh, had there, had there, that's uh, actually an act that I made as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just a guy, but he's, he's going to leave work, but it just doesn't work out. And there's papers everywhere and broken mugs and stuff. And uh, yeah. I, I like juggling as well. And when I've had, mm. you know, opportunities where I'm trying to entertain like a six-year-old or something, and I'm like, oh, let me juggle. I've realized that they'll be moderately entertained by just, you know, a regular three-ball pattern. And they're like, that's kind of fun. But when I do something slower where I'm like trying to put one ball in a hand that already has a ball, and I'm just like, ah, and it keeps popping out and then going to the other hand, and I'm mm. getting really frustrated. And it's like, I'm just, all I'm trying to do is put all the balls in one hand, and they're just not cooperating. They're flying everywhere. The kids <laughs> love that a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Like, they love see failing. Yeah. And and I think it's great also because then you tell kids that it's okay to fail. That is how you learn. Exactly. I think that's really one of the most valuable lessons is that when you set out to fail, it's a lot more fun and a lot more interesting and gets you somewhere far cooler than when you're mm. so worried about it that you you just are really tense and limited. Yeah. I, I think clowning philosophy... Everybody should like get into it, yeah, <laughs> because it's so healthy to to tell yourself fail as much as possible in every way you can imagine, and you will learn so much more, yeah, than just doing the right thing. Even with like you know um, broader mental health stuff, like you know sometimes you know everyone has their own unique version of a negative self talk ruminating mm-hmm. spiral, but sometimes we're trying to like not feel those feelings so much that there's a great power in turning towards them and be like, okay, (laughs) bad feelings. Give me everything you got. Here, I'll take notes. Go ahead. And then Mm. you get like three in and it's like you've run out of steam and you're like, oh, that's it? That's not that bad. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) You sure you don't got anything else? And they're they're like, no, we're, yeah. This isn't as fun when you you come towards us. We only like Mm. it when you run away. Yeah, exactly. It's like a monster that chases you. And and you're like, after a while, like turning around like, but what is it you really want? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big scary ghost. Okay, I'm here. I'm listening. What do you want? And you're like, oh, I just need someone to listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is basically feelings. Yeah. <laughs> well, so now I feel like we've got a surrealist art film where you're growing up in a small Swedish village and ex- you're seeing imaginal ghosts that are revealing your soul. And then you run away to join the circus. And uh, how how do you think that um, clowning and circus arts and magic weave together for you? I've been experimenting quite much uh, going into a, um, a wizard uh, alter ego mm. recently. Like yeah, like for uh, for two years now, I think. Yeah. So sometimes I go to parties and uh, to rave parties and stuff like this, dressed in my full wizard outfit. Nice. And I present myself as Askvind. Um, and which is a combination of uh, the word for the the, the tree of uh, of life Yggdrasil, mm-hmm. um, and uh, ash does also mean uh, yeah ash mm-hmm. uh, ask ash yeah um, and wind is vi- wind wind yep. um, 
so I thought I thought like it would be great to in in to cooperate um, like or make clowning and the wizard into one. Mm-hmm. So I I started doing like silly tricks because I have my 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 robe is very tall, yeah. or very long, so you can't see my feet. So I realized like if you walk and isolate your step while you're walking, it looks like you're floating mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And I do this as a party, especially late night. People are drunk and stuff and yeah. they're like what's happening yeah There's some guy floating around and uh, also doing acrobatics yeah. in a robe it's very hard but yeah. people think it's very strange <laughs> i heard i heard a quote you know the quote that is like be it a change you wish to see in the world uh-huh but be it a strange you wish to see in the world Ooh, that's good yeah and i've been following that as much as possible <laughs> yeah so yeah my life uh is about make the strange reality and make strange uh, things more common so people can enjoy them and also know that it's okay to be strange. Yeah. Well, I think there's a very cool kind of situationist performance element there of saying, how do I give people that version of that otherworldly dream experience that Mm. I had? You know, How do I Mm. give them a moment where they're like, did I just really see that? Did I, guys... I was messed up last night. Did I talk to a wizard for a while? (laughs) (laughs) What happened at that party? Was that wizard floating? Yeah. (laughs) And and I I have to say, like, you inspired me to actually dare to go out and do this. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, um, I always loved the the wizard archetype. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's always been it's always been with me. Yeah, uh, I I met like like a wizard in my dreams once when I was a kid, and that dream was so important to me afterwards. So I was like, yeah, there is something with it, something yeah. that can really um, give me a broader perspective of life. Well, I think you know that I, I I try and think of myself as one of the spokespeople of the wizard archetype, but by no means a gatekeeper, or the the only one. <laughs> but uh, you know, trying to plant these seeds of saying, hey you can do this but the first thing that you have to figure out is how to do it in your own way like yeah. you 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 know if you're going to set out to be a wizard and you're looking for step by step instructions that somebody else is going to give you you're you're off on the wrong foot and mm. i think that that diversity you know we want we want clown wizards and we want scholarly wizards and we want uh wizards with great radio host voices <laughs> and all kinds of wizards so yeah and i also think that uh it's that is also my approach to magic like uh, like practical magic. Yeah. It's like find your own way. It doesn't matter. You don't have to follow Cassandra Eason's books about that you need uh, three purple candles to do this mm-hmm. spell. It's like if you if you have if your mind has the possibility to imagine uh, the whole thing without using any material objects at all, that is amazing. Yeah. And that is enough. You don't yeah. have to have this. All things you can use for magic to like lift lift your experience and make it more uh, real for yourself, that mm-hmm. is great. Use yeah. as much as you need. Well, I think we can we can see an even clearer example if we consider clowning. And you could think about a clown who does mime work only. And so they create a whole world without a single prop. And that's mm-hmm. beautiful. But then you can also have a clown who has nothing but an umbrella and a briefcase. And it's amazing to use those material and build something in you know, they could even have a whole stage and, you know, you can get as elaborate as you want. Mm. But if you cross that line where you go, oh, I can only perform if I have these precise props and this precise scenery and it has to be this high budget production, I think you've lost something. And so mm. I think whether or not you like using those things more, that's a matter of personal preference. But being able to go back and, you know, 
create a whole story with an imaginary flower that you've picked and held in your hand, that is a, is a very important part of magic. I think so too. And uh, I, uh, my, one of my walking acts or mingle acts is uh, this guy with the briefcase. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I have. And it gets stuck in the air. Uh, yeah. It gets super heavy. It gets super light. So I almost fly away with it. Yeah. And, and when I open it, I can reach down my arm all the way down. So I almost crawl into it, even if it's like thin as mm-hmm. paper. Yeah. Not thin as paper, but yeah, very, very shallow right. uh, box. And, and like there's a whole world down there that the audience doesn't see mm-hmm. and just pick up strange stuff from there. Um, it, it's amazing. I love it. I, 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 yeah, pantomime and, and, and the stage magic that has like almost no props is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think of uh, one of my favorite wizards, Mary Poppins, and her oh, infinite, yeah. infinite bag with things that are, yeah. that are it's bigger on the inside, right? Yeah. And in, in, in um, I don't know if you know about this, because uh, you're interested in Swedish and the Swedish culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very <laughs> <and> much so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know of the, of the cartoon called Bamse? Bamse, strongest bear in the world. Yeah. Uh, den yeah. starkaste Bjorn i Bjorn mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, he has a friend who is his name is Skalman. He's a he's a turtle, and he's in in his shell. He has everything. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> so I've been doing Duolingo for the last year to learn Swedish, and it's funny because sometimes they'll get you know it's like clear whoever was writing these example sentences was having some fun. So it's mm. like you know. <laughs> They regnar man. Oh, it's raining men. Ha ha ha. Okay, uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, but there was one where it's like, my friend is a turtle who has a clock that tells him when to go to sleep and when to eat. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this talking about? Like, god damn, what is this? And I like to ask my language teacher, and she's like, oh yeah, 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 it's Bamsi's friend. <laughs> this is a cartoon. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that's so cool about exploring another culture is that you're able to come in at this unusual direction instead mm. of growing up with things and you just remember them from that fuzzy childhood time period. You have to learn about them later and you're like, wait, this thing? And everyone's like, yeah. And like, I mean, idioms are a perfect example where, yeah, idioms just make no sense uh, unless mm. you grow up with them and then you're like, yeah. It's raining men. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, with your wizard, do you, like, since this is kind of a character, do you have a way that you get into that that headspace and that mindset before you venture out into the world as uh, Eskvind? Mm. Um, sometimes, and sometimes no. Yeah. Um, like, when, when I'm doing uh, actual, like, rituals, mm. uh, when I'm leading rituals for people, um, I go into in, into the space of using uh, this um, uh, alter ego more mm. deeply. So I, I put on my robes, I put on my hat. And you've yeah. seen my hat before. I think so, yeah. One of yeah. the calls, yeah. Yeah. Then I just go into the imagination of myself. Yeah. It's like, this is who I wanted to meet as a child. Mm. And now I am that person. So I am closing the loop and making the world more magic. Because someone else also needs a wizard in their life. Well said. <laughs> Absolutely so well said. Um, with the book that I'm working on, uh, all about magic, I was talking with my writing coach, and she's like, 
who is your audience? I was like, me at 19. <laughs> like, <laughs> anybody else, yeah. like, I don't know what their deal is. Like, I could try and do some sort of demographic research, but that's not my style. I don't care. It's like, I'm writing the book that I wanted to read when I was 19. Like, when I yeah. was like, I've just discovered magic, but I'm very skeptical. Like, what's going on? Like, okay, here's how we mm. can make sense of it. So uh-huh. I think being the... uh Maybe you're going to have one of these experiences one day where you're going to be standing on a tractor juggling and you'll look and you'll see some kid drive by with his family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Your 12 uh, monkeys moment. Yeah. Yeah, really. Oh, but yeah, but uh, I, I really want to use my, uh, my alter ego more. Uh, also, even, even in the public area, in spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told myself also, like, if I ever become, like, financially... Uh, yeah, I don't have any financial problems at all yeah. that, I, that I just can float around. I'm going to spend like at least once a week to sit on a bench in the city dressed in my in my robes and just talk to strangers. Yeah. Uh, to just do that every week. Yeah. And so, so people know where to find me. I was like, oh, uh, oh, have you heard about the wizard? No. Yeah, yeah. he's here. He's, he's here every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, we should go and visit him. I'm like, that, that's just great. That was what the Wizard of New Zealand did. I mean, he he was kind of more just holding speeches, but he would just stand oh, yeah. on a stepladder in the uh, the town square. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that he has actually has a small stepladder that is yeah. just like climbing up to, to, to declare. <laughs> yeah, you got to You just got to get a little bit higher up. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's that's one of those things where you create this kind of magical invitation, and street performers do that as well. Like yeah. I know in, you know, they, we have it a little bit in America, but I think it's a lot more common in Europe with the very elaborately costumed human statue kind of mm. things where you're suddenly, oh, <laughs> there's a giant insane Birdman statue that is just like <laughs> frozen in place and we'll do a song and dance if you give it a, a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. It's more common in Europe, but not in Sweden, unfortunately. Ah. Like we have almost no street culture because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it happened, uh, but uh, me and a friend of mine are trying to reclaim it now because we we have been doing street shows here in Gothenburg. Very cool uh, to make it happen again because we realize realize that everybody likes it, and if you don't like it, you can just pass by. Exactly. Yeah. You, you nothing's forcing you to stop and gather around. No, exactly, and uh, and that is also like a, a place to open up for the magic in life. Yeah. Like show show people that like this this seems silly. But if you think about it and actually go into it, you see that this makes sense and this uh, enlarges your world and Mm -hmm. your, uh, yeah, and your life. I was just debating with a friend about this because in New York City, there's a thing called Showtime. And Mm -hmm. it's when normally like young, you know, like black kids or kids of color uh, will come on the train and they'll be like, you know what time it is? Showtime, showtime. And Ah. then they'll have a, a speaker and they'll just start playing music. And then they do these insane acrobatic, break dancing, pole dancing routines using mm. all of the bars and stuff on the subway. Yeah. And I am a huge Showtime fan. I think it's awesome. I think it's very cool that there's times where I'm grumpy and I'm on my way home and then I see this really cool dance routine with really impressive stuff and like if I have a dollar, I give them a dollar every time. I'm for it. But a lot of New Yorkers are anti-Showtime and they're worried that someone's going to get kicked in the face, although I never saw anyone get kicked in the face. And anytime mm. someone's going, someone might get kicked in the face. I'm like, have you seen anyone get kicked in the face? And the answer is always no. But there's this idea that like, well, we didn't consent to this. Like mm. someone might be having a bad day and they don't want this. And I'm like, I don't want to live in a world 
where the grumpiest person sets the bar. Where mm, like no, we just exactly. strip away anything that somebody might find annoying or unwanted and then it's gone. Mm. Like, you know, we put up with so many ads and craps that I think are fucking annoying and totally unwanted. But when mm. it's something that's organic and human, then we're like much more annoyed with it. And so I mm. think it's important to kind of re- enchant the world by saying yeah on your way to go get groceries you might see puppet show on the street or Mm. a clown that can't (laughs) that can't get his briefcase together (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's important i think it's important also to kick people out of their like square yeah uh like they're they're going somewhere and then all of a sudden like wait something is happening here what yeah there's something that's strange oh there's like a three meters tall bird creature standing next to me. Yeah. Okay. That is very strange. And yeah. yeah and then they start like realizing like the world is bigger than they thought. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And and I want to do like street performances uh, or like street, not performances that you gather a crowd, but imagine walking home from a bar at uh, like three in the three in the morning. It's mm-hmm. summer. It's, it's a little bit like half dark and you see something in a far distance down the street you see a giant creature crawling forward on four legs and then it just looks up at you and it just keeps on going Mm -hmm. and disappears. Yeah. This is what I want in my life. Yeah. (laughs) So I really, I really, I really uh, appreciate when people do stuff like this. Um, You said getting out of your square and that reminded me of, um, have you seen the film uh, Toriot by Ruben Osland? Uh, No, I haven't. Uh, The Square. Uh, my pronunciation is going to be bad with all these Swedish words, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it, like Ruben Oslin made Triangle of Sadness and mm. Force Mayor and some of these other ones, Swedish filmmaker, uh, uh, contemporary. And he does a lot of stuff that's related to, you know, class and society and discomfort. But uh, the square has this incredible central scene where there's this artist that's basically like acting like a, an ape like a gorilla at this mm. banquet. Like he's got these kind of crutches so he can hobble around like with a more gorilla-like posture. And he is just very aggressively confronting, not with like words, but with like, <laughs> like all of these rich patrons of the arts. And they're, you know, here for some performance art. And then it's so transgressive and so uncomfortable. Mm. But I think uh, it's, it's, it's very cool to see how just somebody not obeying the normal rules of personhood does exactly that and pushes you outside of that mm. um, illusory bubble of reality. Mm, yeah. Oh, I think it's so needed yeah. in this society. <laughs> so I think you're at a really beautiful intersection. Um, there's a Alan Moore essay that I, I think about pretty much on a daily uh, basis called mm. Fossil Angels. And yeah. yeah. He talks a lot about, you know, we need to sort of hold magic to the same standards as art. We can't just mm. hide behind like, this is my spirituality. Like, And then we don't critique because critique helps us make things better, more interesting and achieve their goal. So it's not like we want to be jerks, but we want to have some level of like, hey, I went to go see that clown and it was boring. (laughs) It was uninteresting. Mm. Like they didn't do a good job. They were technically unskilled. They overly relied on props. In the same way, we should be able to go to a rich one. We're like, I didn't really feel the vibe. I thought it was kind of cheesy. Mm. I thought they're in like, you know, the, the person who was hosting it mumbled and like, we didn't have mm. enough space to actually like, get into the meditation and like, yeah. how do we make that better? And so I'm curious, as you are at the intersection of magic and performance, how do you bring ideas from magic into your performance as well as how do you bring ideas from performance into your magic? 
Um, I haven't thought of it so much, um, but I just it just happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I was to, I was to a circus school in Denmark as well. Okay, uh, just a few years ago, we had sometimes uh, assignments that we are gonna do some site specific uh, mm. performances. And that that means that you go somewhere and you're gonna do a performance on a spot that often is not thought of as a stage. Yeah. And I wanted people to get out of their minds, of of course, because that's all I do all my life. Yeah. I want people to just get out of their head. Um, and uh, I um, I went, I led them. They were following me, and I led them to a tr- a room, a trash room. And inside of the room, there's a, a like a metal grid or like a a ventilation shaft Mm -hmm. that is closed off so i went up to it and i just grabbed it and i just pulled it off so i i I think i maybe destroyed some parts of it (laughs) it was not my intention but it 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 added ritual Um, requires sacrifice yes (laughs) and and i went into this space that is like only like a dark like in between spaces space where you're not supposed to actually be or know of it's just a mm. forgotten space in in space yeah i love these places where it's like this is a space that is not supposed to be anything this is a perfect time to make it into something mm. that could be very special yeah so i made a ritual in there uh, like a silent ritual and did and and i guess they didn't get it because yeah. i i never spoke anything but my intention was there and and, and it all, was all just an experimentation sure um, so I sat in there uh, uh, on on a, like a small box that I found just outside. I just op- ripped this place open, threw in a box, and went in there and had a mask with me. Put on the mask and just sat there and started like humming mm-hmm. and started like repeating just sounds. Yeah, and and I thought of it for myself like this is this is amazing. This is the greatest thing to just find a place like this and just do this kind of strange ritual. But it didn't give them anything, really. It, they were like, yeah, this is just weird. Yeah. And so I thought, like, how could I make this actually into something that they can get something out of? Um, so I started, like, elaborating a little bit with, like, okay, so to get into a trance-like state, you need repetition, maybe, uh, because that is, like, what people have done since the dawn of time. Yep. Just uh, banging on rocks or making a drum or go into a rave party. back and forth, yep. Everything, all of this. So um, I created a, another performance uh, where I took everybody in into a, like a black box. Mm-hmm. And I had candles everywhere. And uh, I, I was playing like a loop of uh, Tibetan uh, throat singing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I instructed everybody to think about what they want the most right now in their lives. And I put it, uh, and I said like, just repeat this in your head all the time, all the mm-hmm. time. And I just sat in the middle and also between throat singing. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like, yeah, this this is something. There is some, some sense of this is real. Yeah. This For them, this is a performance. But if I, if I, without telling them that they are actually manifesting something right now, mm-hmm. and then to this rhythmical sounds and everything, they're actually practicing magic yeah. without even knowing it. And I think, yeah, I think it's something you can do there. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a very special space because there's almost like this spectrum 
where on the one hand is very surreal, abstract, and on the other hand is more coherent and like analytical. And mm. I've seen performance art performers where they get on stage and they paint themselves red and they smash eggs into their face and it's a big mess. And you're kind of like, okay, mm. that was, you know, there's a lot of energy there. It was kind of cool looking at points, but like, I don't walk away with any sense of like what it meant or what it was supposed to do. And mm. I think I go too far in the other direction where I'm like, hey, everybody form a circle. Now I'm going to talk about what magic means and how mm. our thoughts are blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like explaining it. But I think some of the most beautiful art and magic I've seen is more in that central point where there's enough structure that you're like, oh, this is what it's about. This is cool. But mm. also there's enough abstraction where when you talk with your friends after about what did they experience, their experience is different. They thought, mm. you know, the end of the movie meant something different. Like, you know, it can be frustrating, but when you see a more artsy film and you're like, wait, so did the main character die? No, I thought that part was just a dream. No, because mm. when you looked over, the clock had changed. Like, suddenly that abstraction lets you put more of yourself into it, mm. your mm. interpretation. The juggler that is there and not there. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. and and through performance art, you can really, really make something else to people's lives. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how to explain it more than that, but yeah. Well, maybe when I'm in Sweden, we can make a little performance piece together, and our two oh, wizards can meet. Wow. That would be great. I wow. think we can do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, I, I have a space for it as well. Uh, awesome. Like like um like a venue we could oh, use. Perfect. Great. <laughs> See, this is so cool. Now again, I'm I'm fascinated with the looping time uh that swirls about this trip, but it's very cool that future listeners can see some audio recording of this or however else we'll capture it and they can also hear the genesis of the idea here and now. Mm. So with that being said, uh let's bring this uh, initial episode to a close with a spell and then open the door to the future magic that we'll be working together in person. Yeah. So uh, what spell ideas do you have in mind? Hmm. Yeah, like I had one from the beginning, but now when we talked through this episode, I, I think like I almost want to incorporate uh, some kind of performance. Into I think it. so too, yeah. Yeah. Like what's something that you learned in, in clown college that you think... <laughs> everybody should try out or experiment within their magical practice? Wow. Mm. I think it could be presence. Mm. Daring to take space and listen to what happens after that. Not trying to, to direct your outputs, in a sense. So, so for example... Trying to, yeah, this is great. This is this yeah. is great. Um, trying go into a room, there's people, mm -hmm. and then say hi, and just stand there. Mm. See what happens when you don't respond. They they are probably gonna say hi back. Yeah, and then what? Right. You just stand there, and and if they if they like hi, and then they go back to whatever they were talking about, continue standing the standing there. Yeah. See what happens. And they, they, they will think that you're acting weird, that you actually are acting weird. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. You're just going to be there. Yeah. Being in this space. And also, like, if you don't dare to do it with people, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's really scary to do, do just that. Try to do it just going into your apartment or into a room where there's no one there and mm -hmm. just say, hi. Yeah. And just see. 
see what happens. Yeah, go get high by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. I think you're. I think you're so spot on. Um, the social reality we live in—that's quote unquote imaginary—is mm. so powerful. Like there are things where if you think through it, you're like, okay, if I walk into that room and I say hi and everyone looks at me and I'm just being weird, that's awkward. Mm. But like, I'm not going to get hurt. There's nothing really that's bad that's going to happen. Mm. And yet it feels like jumping off a cliff. It feels mm. very intimidating and very hard to push past that membrane of social reality that keeps us inside the square. Mm. Yeah. There's so much things that you will experience in this. Yeah. Because it, you will experience your mind, what is what is going to do with you, and you're going to experience the room, the space around you as well, and and also uh, what is interesting uh, when it comes to when you're on a stage or when you're entering a room and just saying hi, the performance that you're doing, the thing you're doing is just that objectively thing you do, mm-hmm. but what actually happens, what the where the whole story happens is within the minds of everyone around you and mm. yourself. Yeah, your performance is just this. It you just walk into a room and say hi. That that's all. But the story actually happens in everybody's imagination. Wow. Yeah, it's powerful because you're creating the discontinuity. Mm. Like if I say knock knock, who's there? And you go who? And I go who? And you're like who? And I'm like who? Mm. Yeah. Like I've broken the joke. Like you were expecting something, and I've broken it. Um, yeah. In hypnosis, uh, Milton Erickson famously developed this handshake induction where you go to shake somebody's hand and normally we both reach out with our right hand and as they reach out, because if you just if you kind of walk up to someone and say hi and reach out your hand, they'll go to shake it most of the time. It's kind mm. of actually, you have to consciously resist to be like, I'm not going to shake your hand. Mm-hmm. So as they reach out, he would then reach out with his left hand and you know, not snatch, but gen- like just like, gently take their hand out of the air and then start lifting it. And this was <laughs> such a weird thing to do that they would have this kind of bleh, like brain fart moment of confusion. Yes. And he would then be saying, now, isn't that interesting that as you look at your hand, you can see it starting to move closer towards your face. And as it moves closer towards your face, you can just feel yourself going into trance now like that. There you go. And that moment of confusion the story that they're used to has broken down and then he's mm. giving a new story. And obviously, if you do this with like a complete stranger, there's a lot of other factors that you have to create to make this work, but it allows their brain to just kind of go, wait, what happened? Oh, here's some instructions. I'll just follow those. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. yeah. So this is this, this experiment or like this... Um, Pattern uh, interrupt. Yeah. 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 It, it's halfway there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not like uh, uh, leading its onto something else. This is just like interrupt your pattern, see what happens. Yep, create space for possibility. Yeah. Okay. And, and you can do it by yourself in your own room. Yeah. So you don't have to have an audience, but with audience, more interesting. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, shall we end this by uh, going back to Svenska for a moment? Yeah, självklart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much, Tony. It was really good to talk with you. It was really nice to talk with you too. Yeah, we see you in August. Yeah, that's it. Have a good day. Hey. For more of Askvind, a.k.a. Tony's Magic, you can check him out on Facebook at facebook.com slash tonyverse.circus 
or on Instagram at the underscore Tonyverse. And for everyone else that's listening, I just want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. Uh, I do this podcast because I believe in magic and I wanted to have my life feel more magical. So all of the connections that I've created with you listeners so far are delightful and amazing. And I'm looking forward to connecting with more of you out there, wherever you might be in the world. So never hesitate to reach out, whether you're just a casual listener or a Patreon participant at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. I always love hearing from you and let's have our magic affect each other because I have no doubt about it. I know for a fact that your magic is real and I believe in you. <laughs>